Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can join together in prayer this morning. We thank you that you are a loving God, keeping your covenant of love with us. Lord, as we come together, we magnify and glorify your name, acknowledging that you alone deserve all our praise, honour, glory and love. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for the times we have failed to focus our lives on you. Lord, we confess our sins. Forgive our fears for times when we failed to trust you fully. Forgive our pride for times when we think more highly of ourselves than we should. Forgive our desire for control for times when we forget but in all things you are Lord. Lord, forgive us for everything we have done, said or thought, that has not been pleasing to you. We hand all our failings and shortcomings to you, knowing that in all things you are willing to forgive us, and that your plans and ways are always best, even when we may not understand them. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. We thank you for this day and for the life that you've granted us. We thank you for our families and our friends. We thank you for the blessings and wonderful freedoms that we enjoy in our country. We thank you for the rain. Thank you for the refreshment it brings and for the new life that it nurtures. Lord, we also have so many people and issues to bring before you. We pray for our Prime Minister, Mr Albanese. Give him discernment and wisdom to lead our nation and address the challenges that we're facing at this time of economic uncertainty. We pray for those who are struggling, those facing homelessness, financial stress, those suffering from illness, those needing work or seeking direction in life. We bring before you the growing levels of violence we see portrayed every day in the media. We know that only you have the answer to these issues. We pray for those who feel the need to resort to violence and for those innocent people who suffer as a result. We pray for the people of Afghanistan as they deal with the aftermath of the recent earthquake and the devastation and death that it's caused. Lord, please give aid agencies wisdom in how best to work with the Taliban government. Lord, our world faces so many horrific things. May your peace be known in the midst of all of these situations. Lord, help us to spread your love to those we have contact with. Give us opportunities to serve others and demonstrate your care for them. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, allowing your love to radiate through us. Lord, we pray for unity across the body of Christ. We pray that all churches and those professing to be Christians will seek to follow and stay true to your word reaching out to those in our society who are lost and left without hope. Lord, we thank you for the simple prayer that you taught your disciples. 
May the truth of these words be with us in all we do. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Save us from a time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord, as we close our time of prayer this morning, we especially pray for our brother, Pastor Bill. Thank you that he can visit us this morning. Thank you for his leadership and the teaching skills that you have blessed him with to share your word with boldness and authority. May he be guided by your Holy Spirit as he shares with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people said, Amen. Bit of exercise. Why is it tongue? Thanks. Well, Anthony, that was a mighty prayer. And even I got an honourable mention at the end. I thought, yes. Thank you, Lord. Um, it is a, a joy to uh, be here and to share. I've watched the extensions. I've been up here to see it. I've seen it on video and now to be here in person. Fantastic. It looks good, doesn't it? And um, may, uh, may God keep bringing people into our church here to discover who Jesus Christ is the saviour of the world. So I'll bring you greetings from all of our Christian Family Centre churches. My wife couldn't be here because she's preaching in Darwin this morning, right now. Oh, Jesus, bless her. She's scared. But I said, go ahead. She went to Bible college with me in 1973. She could have been ordained as a CRC pastor, but she chose not to. And, and uh, she's a nurse educator at Flinders, but she's a good preacher. So she's there for three weeks. I'm going up next Saturday and so the pastor's having three weeks off, he and his wife. So we're going up there for coalface ministry. Most of the church are homeless indigenous men and women, and they live on the streets. And uh, so we feed them, give them breakfast, we give them lunch, we give them the gospel, we pray for their illnesses, they receive Christ, they're very responsive. There's a, a bus that comes out the front of the church where they can have a shower and have their clothes washed. These are the boys from Brisbane who set up this fantastic ministry right across Australia now for the homeless, just so they can have a shower and wash their clothes. So it's, it's uh, so they're not Christians. And I went out there the other week. Well, I was up there a few weeks ago, and I said, you guys are fantastic what you do. And I said, do you realise you're doing God's work? They looked at me. I said, you're serving Jesus in caring for the poor and that. And they kind of looked at me, and that's all I presented, the gospel. I didn't want to cross any further lines with them. But uh, magnificent, really, what they're doing. Uh, so our church, there's probably about 70 to 80 homeless men and women. And um, then there's a group of Africans that are there, and there's a, a few white fellows uh, among them. So the pastor is a professor of education, actually. He's a world authority on indigenous education, John and... Um, uh, John Gunther, and he travels the north in helping Indigenous communities in the whole area of education. His wife's a high school teacher, a full-time job, and every Saturday and Sunday and during the week, they roll up their sleeves and serve. It's relentless. Uh, John said to me one week, a few weeks ago, 
there was a terrible brawl and uh, started by a woman who was quite inebriated. So she socked into the guy and I think he socked her back, and, uh, which is the right thing to do, of course. And um, <laughs> uh, so they had to drag him out and uh, at the end he, he said to me, oh, that Sunday I felt like quitting. And uh, so he had to be the bouncer as well. And, and then the following Sunday, uh, several got baptised in water and blessing flows. So he says, now I'm, I'm recommitted myself to them. So they're fantastic. So it's a unique church in, uh, in Darwin. Um, and collectively, as Christian Family Centre churches, uh, we're able to hire and uh, lease property and that they're able to meet in. And so they're doing a fantastic job. So uh, I go up next Saturday for two weekends. So we don't know what, what's going to happen. But Kathy's going to have me working in the kitchen, making food, mopping the floor. And uh, so when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, I mean, the men and women love, Aboriginal people love their cups of tea. And they love their cups of tea. So they want a cup of tea, but they fill it to the brim, right? And they're walking, and it's spilling everywhere. So I have to come behind with the mop. <laughs> so Kath took some photos of that. She said, that's a sight for sore eyes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're thrilled to be able to be involved in planting churches and um, uh, right across uh, the nation. So, uh, But it's a joy to be here and to minister God's word. Uh, You've been on the Holy Spirit the last few weeks, or the book of Acts, isn't that right? So um, Sam and I talked about what would be appropriate. So I'm going to share on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit? And, you know, what's he like? How does he work in us? They're the, the, the questions I'm going to answer. And I trust that there'll be, as the word is ministered, that faith will stimulate in your heart and, and you want to receive all that God has made available for you through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, folks, there's nothing spooky about the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know. Um, like we're, we're a Pentecostal movement. I head CRC Church International. We're one of the oldest Pentecostal movements in Australia. We started in the 1940s. Uh, we have 140 churches in Australia, probably another 800 or so across the world. And um, we, uh, we believe in uh, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's so important for us to understand who he is because there's, there's, uh, in, in some circles he's still referred to as the Holy Ghost, the ghost who walks. You remember the Phantom Comics? You know, ooh, you know he's a ghost. Um, and he's talked about almost in mystical terms. He's caricatured. Like when he's active and moving, he just pounces on people and gets them to do strange things. And you might see that on, you know, I went to see the film on Elvis with my daughter last night. Fantastic. Great film. Not suitable for kids, but great film. Pretty accurate, except for one bit. I'm an Elvis fanatic. <laughs> he and Muhammad Ali were my heroes growing up, so I know that were the... Anyway, um, but they had this image of Elvis, because he grew up in a Pentecostal church. It was his local pastor that taught him how to play guitar, uh, local Assemblies of God pastor. But anyway, they had him in a black church and, um, as a kid, and, and, and it's kind of like caricatures that he's receiving the spirit and he goes into a trance and collapses down and, 
And, and I think, that's just a caricature. That doesn't actually happen. That's an emotional experience in people's reactions and responses. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just knock people out and get them into trances and, and gets them to do strange things. So nothing could be further from the truth when we base our thoughts and ideas on a sound and complete reading of God's word. So what's the Holy Spirit like? Do you know what the Holy Spirit's like, in essence? And I, I, could, I could just finish my message now. Do you know, in, in a very simple term, in four words, he is just like Jesus. Do you want to know what the Holy Spirit's like? Read the four Gospels and see how Jesus acted and operated, his nature, his character, his will, his purpose. The Holy Spirit is exactly like Jesus. Same nature. Father, Son and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Same nature, same essence, though different personages. And, and so, you know, one God in Trinity, not three gods. Do you understand that? I don't. I've been a Christian 51 years. One, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's do a mathematical equation. Father's God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So people tried to get their head around and go, okay, one plus one plus one equals? No, 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 no. No, no, you've got to go back to grade one maths. One plus one plus one equals three. So that mathematical equation doesn't work from our picture in the Bible. Okay, it's one times one times one equals now maths brains one do you understand that nope do i do you accept it yep if you're a bible believing christian and you you see the scriptures as your authority to guide us in our beliefs and our practices we accept that um but it is mentally quite difficult it's a mystery in our hearts, we submit to the revelation of the Bible that teaches the reality of the Godhead. And the Holy Spirit, folks, does the exact same things that Jesus did when he walked this earth. And Jesus now walks this earth again, not physically, through the Holy Spirit. And he works through his ministering body, you and me, who have the Holy Spirit. It's like we have Jesus personally in us and what he did when he walked this earth 2,000 years ago, he still does, but he does it through his body, his ministering body. So the Holy Spirit's not going to do weird things that are different to what, how Jesus ministered and how he loved and, and, and cared and supported people. So that's so important to, to get this. So what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? He does three major things. The first one is, he leads us to Jesus. He converts us. And it's a supernatural process and event. So a lot of people say, oh, you Pentecostals, you're like Christian Family Center, all you talk about is tongues, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit. I say, no, no, actually we don't. All that we talk about is Jesus, 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 Jesus. He is the Savior, first and foremost. I speak in tongues. A lot of you do here. I pray for the sick and some get healed. I've seen supernatural, miraculous things take place. We've got baptisms this morning and, and tonight, and each baptism is a person who's experienced the transforming grace of God. And so the Holy Spirit does a whole pile of stuff. But you know, the most important thing is he's come 
to reveal Jesus to people, to open people's minds to the reality of who Jesus is, to help them understand the cross, because you can't understand the love of God without a cross. You might say, I understand the love of God. Do you really? How do you? I've been investigating this and thinking prayerfully and reflectively on the cross for 51 years. I still don't understand it. I accept it. How God himself, fully human and yet fully God, not using his powers of deity while he walked this earth to identify with us, how he could be hung like a common criminal, strung between heaven and earth, and somehow all the sins of the world, your sins, and Anthony prayed that beautiful prayer of all of our sins, could go come on him, past, present, all your future sins, and somehow he carried them. And when he shed his blood and when he spoke forgiveness over his enemies, he speaks forgiveness over our lives. You can't understand the love of God without the, 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 the prism of the cross. There you see the sinless one dying for sinful people. There you see the innocent one dying for the guilty. There you see a person who was absolutely perfect dying for the imperfect. There you see someone who was totally obedient to his father dying for those who are totally disobedient. The Holy Spirit has come to help us see who Jesus is. And, and no preacher and no one who witnesses can actually convert anyone. We can only share the truth of who he is and endeavour to explain the cross. It's the Holy Spirit who works miraculously to enlighten the person to go, oh, he did it for me. And then they receive the life of God through the Spirit, where Jesus is literally reborn within their hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's, that's his major work. And, uh, you know, conversion is the Spirit's work. It's not our work. I've watched him do it for 50 years. We've got... How he does it's amazing. We've got... Uh, I love care workers. Do you have any care workers here who bring the elderly or the uh, people who are in disabilities to church? We've got a stack of them at Seton. And they come with the people with the wheelchairs and, and we've got a whole back row now. We've taken the seats out so the wheelchairs can go in. It, it, they're fantastic. And some of the boys that come in, they make a lot of noise. But, uh, you know, they're, and uh, there's a couple of those boys that won't live long. They're in their late teens, early 20s. They've got this terrible genetic illness. Unless the Lord heals them, they're going to go and be with him. There's them, there's, there's people, in, and one of the care workers, she's, she's bringing in this lady, oh, she's actually got a frame, and she sits in the back row. The very first Sunday, she got saved. So she comes to minister to this woman, she puts her hand up and receives Christ, and she's a full-on Christian now. One Sunday, she hears the gospel, and now she loves church. Even if she loses her job caring for this person, she'll be still coming along. And yet there's our general manager, Milan Tompich. He said to me, it took him 12 months, maybe longer, 18 months, to finally give his life to Christ in 1979-1980. Really thinking through. One person, first Sunday, they hear the message. Another person, 12, 18 months. Me, it took me six months, five to six months, to ultimately give my life to him. So it can be a process where the Holy Spirit helps us to understand who Jesus is and gives us the grace to be able to repent, to identify that, hey, I've done wrong, I've sinned, 
and, and I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness for the sins I've committed. And then he helps us to make restitution where we've done wrong. And uh, so <laughs> that's, his, that's his, uh, his first work. Amazing work. Let me read a scripture to you. I love this one. Titus 3, 3 to 6. This is Paul. Let's read how the Apostle Paul describes this life-changing work of the Holy Spirit. Because at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Yep, that's a description of you and me. I got saved as a 17-year-old, and I can tell you that was me. Enslaved, bound, hateful, disobedient. And um, uh, that's what I was like. But look at this. I could do nothing to save myself. You could do nothing to save yourself. He doesn't say, well, we better get into a moral rearmament program. We better get into a re-education program. We better get into some new social service to help change our human nature. No, that's not the answer. Because you're dead. Paul says that in Ephesians 2. He says, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. There's no hope. You're in a hopeless, helpless situation. Dead men cannot save themselves. Dead women cannot save themselves. But like he says here, but God brought new life to us. It's nothing that we did. And Paul says this, but when, you can tie this in with Ephesians 2. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, he what? He saved us, not because of what you have done but because of his mercy. Beautiful. He saved, I love this, this is what he did for us. But look at, look at how he does it. How does he save you? He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Once you see Christ hang on a cross, once you see and know he's resurrected for you and he lives and he now can come and live in your life and you respond to him by turning from your sin and putting your trust in him, this is what happens. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. The Holy Spirit washes us clean from our sins. He renews our inner nature and he begins changing the entire course of our life. If you haven't experienced this regenerating, miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to cause Christ to be reborn in you, don't leave today without saying, you know what, I need him. Come out the front and say, pray for me. If you're not ready, you're not ready. But go home and read one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and read it humbly, sincerely, and ask God for insight, and I guarantee as you read it, I read it and read it and read it for six months. I read the Gospels. At the end, I was convinced that he is who, who he says he is. He's fully God. He's fully man. He's the saviour of the world, and he's my saviour. Folks, this is the beginning work of the Spirit. What does he do next? Secondly, the Holy Spirit baptism aligns us to the purposes of Jesus. That's the heading. Have you got the heading on there? Number two? I can't see anything there. I'm looking at the TV here and it's telling me something else. That's okay. I told you, Dave, I'd be on to you if you're not on top of it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit baptism 
aligns us to the purposes of Jesus. He centers us. He centers us. The Holy Spirit who comes to live within us at new birth. You cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit living within you. It's impossible. Jesus now says to his disciples, guys, you now need to be immersed in the Spirit. You need, it's like water baptism. You know, we're baptizing people this morning and tonight and we stick them under the water. Even no hair sticks out. It goes under the water. Every part of them. And if they depends on how bad they've sinned, we keep them under for, you know, if it's 30 seconds, three minutes, three hours. And Why do we do that? Why do we... Why is that Greek word baptismal means full immersion? Why don't we sprinkle and just pour water? The word is a word used for dying. When you dye a piece of cloth, if it's white and you want it purple, you can't even have one strain out or a little strip, it'll look awful, purple and white. It's got to go completely under. Every fibre has got to be impregnated with that dye. So with water baptism... It's like saying every part of you has to be identified with Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection on your behalf. No part of you is separate from the dying and rising Christ. You're identified with him. And he uses the same word for baptism in the spirit. You just don't need the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You need him all over you. You need him to touch every cell, every part of your body, to be fully baptised in him, to be empowered by Jesus with the Spirit to be able to do the works that he has called us to do. And we receive a supernatural heavenly language as a sign that we've received it. Amazing. The mark of a new era. Acts chapter 2. Acts 1 chapter 2. The gift of, of speaking in a new heavenly language is unlearned. There's no such evidence of it in the Old Testament. Every other gift of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament you find in the Old Testament, but not this one. And so Peter says to the, the people who received this amazing ability to speak in a brand new prayer language that they had not learned, bypassing the mind, their spirit, God's spirit, was a new sign. He said, that's what Joel was talking about. In Joel 2, he says, this is that. This is what, what he's saying. A new sign to mark the beginning of a new era. An era of the outpouring of the Spirit. An era of salvation. An era of grace. We get so misaligned as Christians. But the Holy Spirit who lives in us helps us to keep aligned to Jesus' purpose for our lives, for our families, for our church, for our community. And, and you know, it's so easy to be a nice Christian, to be attending church once a week or once a fortnight or once a month. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm twice a Sunday. Sometimes I'm four times on the weekend. I do Friday morning and three services on a Sunday. And even if I wasn't preaching, I think I'd turn up to at least two. I'm a, I'm a two-service two man. Love it. Give me more. Then there's the midweek activities and daily Bible reading and study and, and reflection. I'm, I mean, I'm just... It's always been the same from the moment I got saved. It hasn't changed in 51 years. And I, I need that, particularly reading the Scripture daily, 
to stay aligned, uh, aligned to Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been given to us, this baptism in the Spirit, this new spiritual heavenly language that he gives to help us stay aligned because it's easy to get misaligned. The first Christians, get this, this is the part that beats me, Acts chapter 1, the 12, they've been with Jesus three and a half years. They've seen him dead on a cross. Then they were convinced that he rose from the dead because he appeared to them. They were scared initially. They put their hands in his side. They, 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 they felt his glorified body. He talked with them and shared with them. And then he says, and he says these words to them before he goes to heaven. He says, boys, listen to me carefully. I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. And he's not saying I'm coming back for the second coming. I'm coming back through the Spirit. A lot of people read the promises in John's Gospel, 14, 15, 16, saying that, you know, I'll come to you again. Or the second coming. It's to do with the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Jesus will appear to them again, not physically, but through the Spirit. He who is walking with you, the Holy Spirit, will now be in you. And he says these words in Acts chapter 1. And, and look at their reaction. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is before the Holy Spirit fell on them in Acts chapter 2. This is before he went to heaven. Okay? Between resurrection and, and the Pentecost, there's how many days? Between ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit, there's 10 days. But between the cross and Pentecost, there's 50 days, isn't it? Am I right? 50 or 40? Oh, I don't know. It's, 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 I think it's 50. Or... Something like that, yeah. And so he's saying to them, guys, I'm leaving, but in 10 days the Spirit's going to come. I'm coming back to you, not physically, but through the Spirit. On one occasion while he was eating with them, and gave, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, guys. But wait for the gift my father promised, for you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is not conversion. They've already got the Spirit on the inside. This is the baptism, the immersion of their lives to prepare them for service, for ministry. Then they gathered around him and asked him, look at this. You know what they ask him? About the second coming. It's like they're not listening. They're saying, but Lord, when are you going to come back? And when are you going to wrap things up? And when are you going to beat the cheese out of the Romans? And, and Israel's going to be restored? I mean, the Lord gets a bit frustrated. And, he, and, and I don't think it's, I think he's a bit, not mad with them, but a bit annoyed. And don't you guys get it? He said to them this in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or the dates of the Father set by his own authority. I don't even know. It's in the Father's hands when I'm going to physically return. But for you guys, get with the program. Get aligned. You will receive power from on high. You will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit when it comes on you. And you are to be my missionaries and my ministers in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And he's not saying, oh, well, when Blackwood... And this region is reached with the gospel. Then we'll be considered the rest of Adelaide or the rest of South Australia and Australia and the world. He says, I want you to be world Christians. Focus on your local community, but focus on the entire world. And you're doing that. You're giving heaps of money to Ghana with John Botang, And he's going to come and speak here, I think, at conference. Is that right? 
I think he is if he comes, if they let him come. You're involved in mission in Ghana. And I've been there several times. You're world Christians. You've given funds and support for our church in Alice Springs. You're world Christians as we're putting up a building. That's the norm. But these guys, they're going, oh, you know, they're caught up in second coming mania. When are you going to return? End times mania rather than world evangelization. The baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gift of being able to speak in a brand new prayer language is not a toy, not a plaything. It's to empower you for ministry and mission. That's what he says in Acts chapter 1, as we've just read. To enable you to live for Jesus, to anoint you, to make him known. And I tell you, this has been the, the, the potential problem with every generation of Christians throughout the church history. They get misaligned. So the Holy Spirit has come to convert us to Christ and to continually centre us to stay true to the mission and ministry of Jesus, which is be concerned for the whole world. Be concerned for those poor men and women a thousand of them living on the streets in Darwin, kicked out of their communities, struggling with alcohol addiction and drug addiction and violence and domestic violence. It's so easy to, oh, don't want to know. We've got to know. We've got to be involved. We've got to solve the problems. Pastor Norm Reed, the church in Hobart, they, they, they have a ministry in the prison that you've got to believe. The authorities come to them to say, Norm, can you help us? Our church there, right on the property of Risdon Vale, prison. They've got a house now for people, halfway house, for, for people to come and visit inmates. They come and stay there. They're looking at setting up community housing for homeless people in, in Hobart. We've got to be concerned for the poor. We've got to be concerned for those who are not as fortunate as us. That's what world evangelism is. We care for the physical. We care for the emotional. We care for the relational. We care for the spiritual. It's not one or the other. So to stay aligned, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. And this is why I pray in tongues every day. Rarely a day passes. This morning, probably 20 minutes, driving, driving here, just the Lord and myself in the car, worshipping him, hands raised, eyes shut, not following the road laws, just speaking in tongues, right? Wrong. Because some people go, like the Elvis film, you're in a trance. Nah, it's baloney. Any religious Christian group that says you lose control of your mind and you go into a trance, that's, that's a cult. Forget it. We don't lose control of our minds. We yield control of our speech faculties while we're following the road laws of South Australia. Big difference, yielding control of your speech faculties and allowing your spirit, energised by the Holy Spirit, to give you words you've never learnt, words from angels, words from all the finest languages of humanity, to speak prayers that are perfect prayers. And as I was coming up here, it, it changed, actually. So some, in speaking in tongues, I find dialects develop. 
So that's an interesting one. As I'm speaking it, and it just changed. I thought, oh, that's exciting. That's good. I wonder what I'm speaking. I don't know. Maybe a group of angels, their language, and, and, and I've got a lot of things. I've always got things on my mind that I'm praying for. So I just keep free. And I was thinking of Kathy and Gloria who are up there in Darwin. I think, oh, Lord, let there not be any acts of violence today. May it all go well. Help them. So I'm praying in the Spirit and praying for you. God, help me to, to present Jesus to you, to come with the fullness of the blessing of the gospel to bless the people of the hills. That was my prayer. So my mind is focused on, 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 on what I'm praying, but I'm also obeying the road laws of South Australia. My, my mind is fully focused. So some people think speaking in tongues is weird because, you know, God's going to make you do something that, that you don't want to do. No, 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 it's your voice. You choose to speak in this language or you choose not to. You say, well, is that it? Yep. I can speak in Greek, I can speak in English, I can speak in this new language. You say, how easy to receive? Well, if you haven't received, come out the front when I finish and I'll pray for you. And before I pray, if it's a prayer of faith, you can't speak in tongues. After I pray and you pray, Lord, I want this gift, you will be able to speak in tongues. You will be able to. Just go home. I needed privacy, four o'clock in the morning on my bed. It just happened, you know, with the Lord. Go for a walk down the park and, uh, and you will. You'll be able to. But it's your voice. You've got to choose to. And the Spirit will empower you and enable you. And it starts out with baby talk, but then you've got to progress further and go into the full language and let the Spirit energise you and empower you. And I say to people, look, I think we should speak in tongues at least every day for 10 minutes. I think just two or three minutes is not enough. A bit like turning on the tap. And a hot day, you know, it's a bit lukewarm, the water. You don't stick the cup under and go, Nurf. you let it flow, then beautiful water comes. So sometimes it's your spirit. You've got to start to speak it and the Holy Spirit will engage with you and, and he kicks in and empowers you to pray prayers that are powerful. Praying for that stray son, that difficult daughter, that parent, that neighbour, that work person person you can't love, the person you're struggling to forgive. You need the Holy Spirit to help you be able to live the Christian life. He's there to empower you. And so, hey guys, I have produced this little booklet called Baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's only about 15, 16 pages. Thousands of them have, tens of thousands have gone out. And I reckon thousands of people have received the experience. So I just give the biblical basis of it and then a practical steps on how to receive and how, how I received and please take it. If you want this gift and there's desire stirring within you, to receive this gift, you've got to have knowledge of the Scripture. And I say to people, look, if you're not convinced it's in the Bible, I'm not going to pray for you. You've got to be convinced it's, it's legitimate and it's right for you. Check out the Scriptures. Do a Bible study. And if you're convinced, then desire says, I want it. But God's not going to give you something you don't desire. He says, follow after love. One Corinthians 14.1, but earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I want all the fruit that he offers and all the gifts that he can to flow through me. So with knowledge and then your desire, that creates receiving faith. And if you've got faith rising in your heart, before we pray, you won't be able to speak in tongues. After we pray, you will be. I dare you. Come to the front. I'll pray for you. Then go home, grab the booklet, spend some time reading, reflecting, go for a walk. Well, go on your bed and say, Lord, is, is it that easy? That easy. 
You receive the experience as you receive forgiveness. Jesus is the saviour. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. You, you turn from your sin and you ask for forgiveness before you actually feel forgiven. It's an act of faith. Then the assurance comes. You ask for the Holy Spirit and this gift to speak in a new language before you feel anything. And you've got to step out and ask and then do. Courage you in that. Thirdly, finally, the Holy Spirit grows people to become like Jesus. The Holy Spirit converts us. The Holy Spirit centers us. The Holy Spirit grows us to become like Jesus. He conforms us. And folks, it's a gradual process. It's a supernatural process. And it does take some time. Paul expresses this really passionately to the Galatians. And, and he makes this comment. And um, not that he'd ever experienced childbirth himself, or maybe he never even saw a woman giving birth. I've seen, um, I've been there when my wife gave birth, four kids. It was a harrowing time for me. <laughs> but the most joyous time, scary. Particularly when the, when the baby comes out and the doctor goes, do you want to cut down the little go, Nah, nah, the first one. By the fourth one, give me that. And, uh, but the thing I remember is because the first one was really hard. She had, was the placenta, the placenta was dying and baby was going to die and oxygen was being monitored. In those days, they let her go two weeks over, which they should, obviously shouldn't have. And, uh, and so, you know, we, we didn't know what to do. So they brought Adelaide's top, top specialist. He's a Greek man. And he looked like a, an uncouth fisherman. <laughs> Dressed in his jeans and, you know, walks out and goes, OK, where is she? And who are you? I said, oh, I'm the husband. Ah, oh, you're the big bee that caused all this trouble. <laughs> so, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> so he had this manner to try and get everyone to eat. Anyway, he says, okay. He goes, we're going to get this baby out this morning with confidence and faith. So we're going to break your waters and we're going to do it. And he did. And the pain that Kathy went through for two weeks and the anxiety that we faced, it was like it all just evaporated when little Steph was born and they gave her to me. And all I could do is cry and pray. And I prayed in the spirit over it. Just prayed, dedicated it to God. Thank you, God, for this, this gift. And so you don't remember the pain and the anxiety. You, you just are, ah, the baby's come. Paul says this. He goes, my little children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He goes, I'm in travail until you've allowed Jesus to possess every part of your personality and your character. To cover your defects, not just to forgive your sins, but to break the power of sin, to deal with those dysfunctions, to deal with those issues that, and, and the baggage that perhaps you may be carrying. His nature gradually replaces all the negative dimensions of our old life. And folks, we all carry baggage from what happened to us. Some things were terrible. Some things were cruel. Some things were bad wrong and we also carry baggage from what we have done to others the the sins we've committed against other people so we carry a lot of guilt a lot of shame a lot of fear 
a lot of anxiety, trauma, father and mother wounds and family wounds. And uh, it's, uh, it happens to, to such a degree um, that uh, I, my first book that I wrote, The Me I Can Be, and I brought a few copies up here, is about Jesus healing those traumas. And there's six testimonies in here. One of them is Pastor Ray Betcher, who as a little boy was sexually abused by farm hands on the farm and uh, the effect it had on him uh, nearly destroyed his life. And uh, the other one is my wife, who came out of a very violent uh, home life and uh, getting assaulted uh, all the time and uh, nearly destroyed her. And uh, after one of those assaults as an eight-year-old, she goes to her room and she's crying her eyes out. And she sees, she doesn't know whether it was real or whether it was a vision, but she sees light in the room. And she starts to, to cry. And, 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 uh, and, and starts to talk to God. She's only an eight-year-old little tacker. And her mum came in, and the mum wasn't the source of the abuse. Obviously, the father was. And uh, the mother recognised, what's happening? She sensed God there. So, so she just spoke to Cathy. And Cathy straight away started speaking this new pr- prayer language as an eight-year-old. She just received Christ as a six-year-old. And she got baptised in the Holy Spirit. And Cathy says, if it wasn't for the presence and power of God, that she knew God was real by what she experienced. That's what kept her. She says, in my teenage years, I I would have gone wild. I would have gone wild in reaction to this abusive father, violent man. uh, But she talks about how that helped her, but then she had to face the traumas, the violent trauma, what was imprinted in her inner life. And it started coming out when she had children. And that's the awful thing, that generational sin can be passed on until she broke it. And, um, and she shares her story. It's actually very moving. I said to her, are you sure you want to write this up? <laughs> she goes, yep. And, uh, but again, the other testimonies, the other one is of uh, demonization, mental illness, of really severe situations, people that, have, that, have, that I've known for 40 years that have come through. Jesus changes our inner life there is no issue folks that he cannot resolve but let me say this to you it takes time so the most important thing is to allow the holy spirit to convert you to center you receive the gift of the spirit and he gradually conforms you and and changes you but the important thing is to identify where those areas of of need are to continually acknowledge our lack and to face up to our needs. You can't grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Look at the, list, the fruit of the Spirit here, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the nature of Jesus. You can't produce these qualities. Only the Holy Spirit can. That's why it's so important to continually acknowledge your lack. Where are you lacking love? Where are you lacking kindness? Where are you lacking self-control? How can you grow in self-control if you don't acknowledge you're out of control? How can you grow in, in gentleness if you don't acknowledge the areas where you're not gentle? And then you face up to your needs. You don't hide them. And then you look to Jesus with heartfelt prayer 
and full dependence and trust on him as our source and provider. Jesus is our old highest authority. He can be trusted. He can be trusted. When I faced my cancer battle three years ago, praise the Lord, I'm free of it now. Um, they test me every six months. They can't find a trace of cancer in my body. Hallelujah. Got to be tested every five, you know, for the next five years. But I remember sitting with these, I've got Adelaide's top guys, top surgeon, top radiologist, and I grilled them. And, and, and I said, okay. and, and I remember the guy, the radiation therapist, he said, we want to give you 39 zaps. 39? He goes, is there any more? He goes, no, it's the maximum. After that, we kill you. Anymore, can't do it. 39. I'm there, 39, doc. I said, why not nine? He said, because we think we can heal you. Because, you know, we don't want to palliate you. We think we can heal you. And I'm thinking, I haven't done seven years university. I haven't done seven years specialisation. I haven't done 20 years medical science watching people. And I just said to him, I said, doc, I said, listen, if you're in my position... I'm looking, I said, look at me in the eye. I said, I was pretty firm with them because I was pretty stressed. I said, would you do that? Said, oh, yes. All right. I trusted them. The specialist who's cutting out this cancer. because goes, oh, we're going to cut out a fair bit of you. Oh, okay. How much? He showed me. Because we've got to cut. They're very graphic. We're going to cut this and cut that and, you know, whatever's going to be left. We trust works. And, uh, and um, you come to a place where you trust them because of their knowledge, their experience. You know, like, like my specialist said, you know, like, uh, they're saying, yep, you know, for your COVID vaccine, you, you need the three. I've had my fourth one down with the booster because being a cancer patient, you've got to get it done. And my doc goes, now I want you to get the flu done. So I've, I've been pincushioned the last six months. Why do I do that? Because I trust them, basically, that they know more than me and I haven't got the time to do all the research. As long as they're not crazies and I check out how are they verifiable people, are they sound people. So we, we can't live without trust. You think about that. If, if you don't trust, you won't go home today in your car if you don't trust that the person that you're going to pass on the other side is not drunk or on drugs and is going to change lane and smash into you. You've got no proof that that's not going to happen. You trust. Because if you, that trust faculty goes, you go crazy. That's why people go insane. If you lose the faculty of trust, of believing, because you, you can't function in this world, you'll become an agoraphobic. You'll just lock yourself into to a room and you won't move. And I've ministered to agoraphobics, and it's a terrible, terrible fear. And, and, and based, the root of it is not trusting that harm is going to come to them. And so trust is very important. So when I say here that the only way you can grow and be conformed is when you acknowledge your lack, you face up to your need, and you look to Jesus with childlike dependence, say, Lord, I cannot change this, but you're the change agent through the Holy Spirit. You're my source. You're my provider. I don't fully understand it. And he can change you no matter what has happened to you, whether it's sexual abuse or family dysfunction or mental illness or demonization or addictions of any kind. Uh, he can change you. I'm a living testimony to this as a young, young guy from 11 years of age to, to 17 when I got saved. I was addicted to alcohol. 
I was a drunk at 15 years of age. Can you believe it? I was addicted to nicotine from 11 years of age. Pack it a day more. I was addicted to marijuana and hash. It's like I was addicted to chasing girls. Sex was a plaything. I was out of control. I'm a child of the 60s, early 70s, and just out of control. Disobedient to my parents. Good Greek people, loving people. And, uh, um, and, and uh, I used to steal. I remember in, in high school, I stole all the books that my parents gave me money that I had to buy from the library. I just pinched the book, tore the pages out, put my name on where it said the school. So when I got saved, I saw these books. And thought, oh, there must be a couple of thousand dollars worth of books here. You know what I did? I confessed my sin. I grabbed all the books and took them back to school and said, I was a thief. But now, Christ has come into my life. I want to pay him back. Do I owe you any money? They all flipped out. <laughs> my parents, I'd come home and I'd, with mum, I'd clean the kitchen out, scrub the floor, and, 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 and she'd say, what's the matter with you? I'd say, oh, just love you, mum. And uh, just, you're so good to me. And she used to take my temperature because she was a nurse. She said, are you okay? So what is that? That changes a person from the inside. It's the Holy Spirit making us more like Christ to not just receive forgiveness, not just to receive baptism in the Spirit, but to be changed, to become like him and to make restitution, pay back and to trust no matter what issues have been in your life, what's been done to you or what you have done to others through Jesus Christ, you can be set free. And, and generational sin can be broken. My wife's a testimony to this, where the sins of the father she was committing in, in, to my children until she faced it and she had to repent to my kids when they were a lot older and say, I was wrong. I should not have hit you like I did. And she got professional help. Got professional help and help from me and, and able to overcome and say, so now our relationship with our kids is fantastic, beautiful. Three beautiful girls and a son. And so, and I think of other families where there's just destruction because the gospel can interdict all this and it can cut it off and change you. So, so have hope, folks, in Christ. Can we stand together? Let me lead you in a prayer. I'm very conscious a message like this is the aim is not just to give information but to passionately share with you, Jesus is, is your answer. He is the only one who can save you. He's the only one who can baptise you in the Spirit and give you this gift of speaking in a new prayer language. He's the only one that can cut off the past and change you. All those addictions dropped off me. Took sometimes up nearly four years to break them from 17 to 21 years of age. And we're going to Pastor Harris once, saying, Pastor Harris, I think, I think I've got a demon in me. This is the founder of the CRC. He goes, you do? I said, yeah. I said, I just, because explain. So I explained to him. I said, look, I love Jesus and I'm witnessing. But I also got this desire that I like sinning. Said, but are you? I said, no, but I'm, I said, I just, what is that? I love Jesus, but I love doing the wrong thing. Because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, habitually, I'm doing the wrong thing. And so he says, I'll pray for you. And um, 
He goes, no, there's no demon there, Bill. He goes, look, he goes, we can't cast out the sinful nature. He goes, you've got to find your co-crucifixion in Jesus. You've got to find yourself identified with what he did on the cross, die to yourself and let the Holy Spirit empower you to be able to live, to overcome your carnal nature, the old life. And that was very helpful. I read his books and I read Watchman Nee's books on how to overcome. And, and sometimes we struggle with things and we accommodate and we think, oh, it must be the devil, but it's actually us. It could be an addiction, alcohol, it could be drugs. I mean, I'm surprised. I have these beautiful senior women. Remember this older, beautiful woman comes forward for prayer and she says, I'm addicted to marijuana. I said, you're not. I was shocked. She goes, yeah. You? She goes, yeah. I love it. Been taking it since I was a kid. And I would never have picked it. But she wanted to get free of it. And she got free from it. It was illegal back then too. So I said, well, you're committing a crime. You realise that? Well, yes, I know. So I, I, was, I get shocked sometimes. Or a person who is an alcoholic and they say they're not an alcoholic. I said, but you drink every day? Yep. And you only do wrong things when you're inebriated? Yep. Are you an alcoholic? No. I said, you're an alcoholic? No, I'm not. I said, well, let's do an experiment. Don't drink for three months. Can you do it? They can't do it. I sent him off to the specialist, to the rehab centre. You need, you need to get help before you destroy your marriage, destroy your life, destroy your reputation. I said, you and Grog don't mix. I said, you're an addict. But he's been a Christian for a long time. And every time he gets into trouble, it's when he's inebriated. So these things hang around. And they, they hang around and people accommodate them and think, oh, this is just my nature. No, it's not. You can get free. Jesus can change you. If you have an addiction, if you have an area that's out of control, be encouraged. Grab my book, The Me I Can Be. You don't have to come out the front. Some of these things are personal and private. Just talk to God and maybe sit down and talk to a trusted friend and, and get it off your chest and say, I want, I want to grow. I had to, I had to make a decision as a 17-year-old, 18-year-old. I saw the prettiest girl in church. Her name was Kathy. She became my wife. So my, my means of selecting who I was going to marry was the prettiest girl in the church. Just go for it. Real deep. Real deep, you know, like... But the Lord spoke to me and says, you're not ready to have any relationship until you get your mind fixed up because it's full of uncleanness. I never believed I could stay faithful to a person for the rest of my life. I didn't believe that. And the Lord challenged me and says, until you come to that conviction. So for four years I fasted off girls. Nearly killed me. Until, and I got my mind renewed, helped to say, and I had a positive view of sexuality, a positive view of marriage. And then finally, I got the okay, married Kathy, and I've been faithful to her for 44 years. Praise the Lord. So, so some men and women are out of control, and they don't face it that there's an addiction there, and it needs to be broken. But it took me four years to actually break that thing in my head, in my mind. So if you're facing an addiction in an area of your life, don't accommodate it. Don't compromise. Seek the Lord. You may need to seek some professional help. But God loves you too much not to speak to you to say there's a better way. 
and it can be done through Jesus Christ. There are Christian counsellors, Christian psychologists, Christian doctors. I'm sending people to Christian doctors and psychologists, even non-Christian psychiatrists. Just been in contact with one this week. I've sent two people to him. The doc, I said, got another one for you because I'm your best referral person. Can I get a cut of what you make? And he says, keep sending them to me, Bill. They're really good ones. They do what I ask them to do. I said, yeah, because they're Christians. They love Jesus. I said, they've just got problems. So we have fun. He's not a Christian guy. So we have some fun. And, and, uh, um, but these people are there. God has provided healing sources for you. Avail yourself of them. Let's pray together. Loving Father, thank you for beautiful people who love Jesus, who are here to worship him, fellowship with one another, receive the word, and I pray to take action on the word. So, Lord, help them. For those who don't know Jesus, that they would allow the Holy Spirit to convert their souls. For those who cannot speak in this new prayer language, that they would receive it and be centred around Jesus and his mission and purpose. For those that are struggling in areas of their life where they've accommodated bad habits and terrible things, I pray that they will be conformed to become like Jesus in his character. So Lord, bless your people. Help them now. Enable them to respond to your offers of of love and help and and counsel and support in Jesus' wonderful name. As as we, we close, as I said, take this Baptism in the Holy Spirit booklet. But if there are people here today, and you're saying, you know what? I'd like to receive this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'd say, well, I'd love to pray with you. Pray. If God has spoken to you, say, look, maybe, maybe some of you need to do a bit more study. I don't know. But you need it. You need this experience. I would love to pray with you and to share with you. And uh, we can do it after the service because we've run out of time and I know the kids need to be picked up. If you haven't received Christ as your saviour, don't leave today. Talk to Pastor Sam or or to myself or Wayne or Joe. Just talk to somebody. Say, I need Jesus as my saviour. Baptism in the Spirit, you need this new gift. Love to pray with you. If you are areas where you're out of control, you need Jesus to, to... to build his character into you. Get help. See somebody. Take action. Let's sing a song. music team uh, thanks thanks bill for being available um for god to speak to us this morning um yeah about um conversion centeredness and conforming uh, to the the nature of christ so um wonderful message really about i think um positive meaningful impactful change in our, in our lives um 
Now, Bill uh, has given us a, a challenge and an invitation. If anyone wants to speak to Bill further or for him to pray for you about anything that he's spoken about this morning, Bill's going to be at the table at the back. Uh, there's like the leaflet on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is free to take. He's got some of his books to sell as well. Just uh, make a point of contact. Bill's going to be available for as long as it needs to speak and pray for people. Uh, if you're wanting uh, prayer from our prayer team in the prayer room, that opportunity is there as well. Um, 5.30, remember that tonight um, If you want to be part of that, it'll be a good time If you've got a spare trestle table as well, bring that along We might be a little bit short, so if you've got one you can bring That'll be fantastic as well um, And everyone is welcome Yeah, thank you Sam um, Just please be a part of that if, if you're able to So yeah, that, that's it for the formal part please, please stick around for a coffee, a chat, cup of tea um, yeah, just pray that um, the words that we've heard this morning really, really settle well on each of us uh, and that actually our relationship uh, with Christ is, is deepened as a result and our effectiveness in terms of how we minister to others will be grown as well. So thanks for being a part of this morning. Uh, yeah, God bless you all. Bye for now.